I'm pulling out my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so last couple times I've been talking about Onslaught. And I'm not done yet, so I will continue to do that. Um, last I left, I think we were on D. Um, so we're, we're like, this is uh, uh, two, two podcasts in on card stories. I only got to D, so we're going to try to pick up the pace a little bit today. Um, I just have lots of stories to tell. Uh, hopefully, I've, I'm never quite sure it's the right number. I know in Theros I did eight, and that felt too much. Um, but I've done like fours and fives, and uh, anyway, we'll see. Okay, let's jump in here. Dream Chisel. So Dream Chisel is an artifact for two that says that face-down creatures cost one less to play. So it turns all your morph creatures into two twos for two rather than two twos for three. Um, one of the things that we were hoping was, whenever we make mechanics, one of the things that we'd like to do is... So, real quickly, for those that might not know this terminology, um, we talk about linear and modular. They're two design terms we use. What linear means, it's the card that kind of begets you playing other cards. For example, Goblin King makes all Goblin Kings plus one, plus one. Well, that really says, hey, you better put some goblins in your deck, otherwise the card doesn't have any value. It's a very linear card. Where something like Naturalize, or Destroy Target Artifact or Enchantment, it doesn't make you want to put anything else in your deck. It's just, you know, a, a, a card that does something that maybe you need the function of. Um, that's modular. It doesn't sort of beget any other card. Um, so one of the things we like to do is... Um, we like to have a mix between mechanics that are linear, mechanics that are modular. But even on mechanics that are modular, we'd like to give you some cards that make you play them linearly, if you will. This is a good example. There's nothing about Morph, necessarily, that makes you have to play lots of Morph. Any one Morph card unto itself works just fine. But something like Dream Chisel says, hey, 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 maybe you want to make a deck of Morph cards. And this card's only good if you commit to Morph. So what it does is it's a linear card that takes advantage of something that's normally modular and turns it into a linear strategy. And the reason we do cards like this is there are a lot of people that really, really like linear strategies. Why? Some people, like, some players are like, don't tell me what to do, I want to come up with my own thing. And other players are like, give me hints, what should I do? Give me something cool to do. And that they really like having cards that says, okay, here's the plan, let's do it. You know, and even... I mean, Dream Chisel just says, make a deck full of morph. It doesn't say which morph or what colors or anything, really. It gives you lots of options, but it does say, hey, this is really going to go in a deck filled with morph creatures. Okay, next. Elvish Vanguard. I got to E, finally off the E. Okay, Elvish Vanguard is a one and a green for a 1-1 one, one elf. Uh, and then whenever another elf enters the battlefield, you get a plus one, plus one counter on this. Um, so th- what this is meant to be is something in which it says, okay... Um, hey, every time you get to play an elf, I get to get bigger. And so it's just a different way. I mean, we, we for example, um, the, the one cycle, um, where they're all, like, heedless one I talked about last time. Or not heedless one, I talked about, uh, one of them. Um, where they get bigger based on how many you have. This is doing that in a slightly different manner. Um, those cards are star, star equal to the number you currently have. Where this one, it, it just keeps getting bigger. So it doesn't start big, but once again, as creatures die or things happen to them, it doesn't shrink. It only gets bigger. Um, and one of the fun things about this is that uh, green definitely has ways. Uh, we, we made some elf tokens in the set. So there's a bunch of different ways to sort of enable this. And that um, green is the color of growth. So green is the color that tends to get bigger over time. So this was kind of a neat way to sort of make you play elves and then give you sort of a big, a, a card that can become a big threat uh, down the road. Next, Enchantress's Presence. 
So it's an enchantment that says whenever you play an enchantment, draw a card. So we had made a card in, or we, Richard made a card in Alpha called, uh, our, uh, not Argovian Enchantress, made uh, Verdurn Enchantress, uh, which allowed you, whenever you played an enchantment, to draw a card. Very linear. Um, uh, so one of the things that uh, players had always asked for was, um, it's a creature that makes you want to play enchantments. And they're like, how about an enchantment that makes you want to play enchantments? Obviously, Constellation will hit this harder later on. Um, so anyway, this card was made for people who wanted to play that deck but didn't want to bother to have to fit creatures in their enchantment deck. Um, this obviously is before enchantment creatures. Um, so anyway, I'm not sure why it's in this set. I mean, it's one of those cards that people want. I mean, we make sure to just put cool cards in every set, and this is the kind of sense where it wasn't particularly on theme, but it's a rare, and, you know, here's just a fun card to stick in. Um, my best sense is that this is the kind of card that someone like uh, Mike Elliott, the lead designer, just really liked. And, like, it was his set. And he's like, you know what? We need some cool stuff. This is a cool thing. I know people have been asking for it. Let's just make it. Okay, next. Uh, Endemic Plague. So three and a black for a sorcery. You sack a creature and then destroy all creatures. As an additional cost to play the spell, you sacrifice a creature and destroy all creatures that share the type. Um, so this was... We definitely... We wanted you to play um, tribal decks, but we wanted a few answers. Um, this one's kind of interesting in that in order for you to use this correctly, you have to have the creature type that you're trying to stop. Now remember, uh, there are creatures in the set that can change their own creature type. So A, you, you can use it with that. Those are in blue, and this is black. So a black-blue deck could do that strategy. Um, years later with Lorwyn, we would have um, changelings, which would work well with this, but... Uh, at the time, it was definitely sort of like, how do I do this? And, and it was good in mirror matches where I'm black and I'm playing something where I'm playing people that are playing things I might have. Um, but it was tricky to use. I like the flavor of it, though. The idea that I, I needed a creature of the type to be able to destroy that type, I thought was kind of cool. Next, Erratic Explosion. Two R Sorcery. So you reveal the top card of your library until you reveal a non-land card. Uh, and then you do damage to target creature or player equal to... I mean, you have to choose a creature or player first. So you choose a creature or player, then flip till you get to a non-creature, and then you do damage to that creature or player equal to the converted mana cost of that spell. So for those who don't know, converted mana cost means um, if you add up all the mana, what's the total number of mana required to play this? So uh, if you had a card that was one green-green, that is a converted mana cost of three because it's three mana. If it was four and a red, that's a converted mana cost of five. If it's one black, 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 that's a converted mana cost of four. Um, anyway, this card was fun. It definitely, one of the things I talk a lot about, and we put randomness, randomness is important. I, I, had, I wrote a whole article about this. I did a podcast on it. You want some randomness in your game. I mean, I mean your game could be chess, but, um, and even then, uh, that's a whole separate discussion. Uh, you do want, I, I think you do want some randomness in your game. It makes it fun. It allows your players not to necessarily be able to know everything. It lets them rest a little bit because since they know they don't know everything, they don't feel an obligation to figure everything out ahead of time. Um, and anyway, this was definitely a fun card. The way the card got used, you had to pick the target before you saw what you did. And so, for example, it was tricky to kill creatures with it because, you know... Now, there were people who built their decks so they didn't have a lot of small things, and there were people who could manipulate their decks so they knew the next card was going to be. Um, usually limited... What you tended to do is you tended to go after smaller creatures, except if you were desperate, you'd go after a bigger creature going, well, I'm going to lose anyway. I might as well, you know, try to use this. Um, 
uh, on the cards you reveal, by the way, go in the bottom of the library. I didn't mention that. Next, Exalted Angel. 4WW for 4-5 Angel. Flying and basically lifelink. This is pre-lifelink being spelled out. But essentially, it's a flying lifelink 4-5 Angel. Uh, and it's a morph cost of 2 white-white. So this card became pretty important because it, it was one of the most powerful morph cards. Uh, essentially, for 2 white-white, you could play... for. Sorry, for three mana, you could play this face down as a 2-2, and then on the fourth turn, assuming you, you got your mana, you could play 2-W-W and flip it face up for a 4-5 Flying Lifelinker, um, which is really, really good, really efficient. Um, one of the things about Morph is you can cost it, and, and this is a card where we did that, where you can, if you go through the curve, meaning turn three, turn four, bam, something I couldn't get out normally to turn six, I can get out in turn four, um, assuming you know, I get the land. Um, and, and the problem this card was, it was so good and saw tournament play, but there were so few tournament level morph cards that when you saw someone play a face down card, a lot of the time, especially if you're playing against a white deck, you knew it was Exalted Angel. So there wasn't a lot of surprise. That was the, the problem with morph and construction the first time through was, we didn't have enough morph cards that really people were playing, and so the few that got played, it wasn't really a surprise, which is kind of the fun of morph of not knowing what it is. Next, Festering Goblin. It's a one for black, one single black, a 1-1 one, one zombie goblin. I believe this might be the very first black goblin. I'm not sure. I mean, there might be a gold black, a black goblin, but this might be the first mono black goblin. And of course, it's a zombie goblin. For some reason, I don't quite know why, um, if you are of a race that isn't human, then when you're a zombie, you're zombie and your race. But for some reason, humans just are zombies. They don't get their race. They don't get zombie human. Uh, I don't know why that is. I sort of, um, I, I call it human bias. Oh, anyway, the, so the Festering Goblin has a little ability that when it dies as a death trigger, it does, a target creature gets minus one, minus one. Uh, it's full of plague. When you kill it, uh, another creature might be infected by the plague and could die from it. Uh, this proved to be a very fun card. We've reprinted this card a lot because it, it's pretty cool. Um, it just does a lot of neat things and... Uh, it's a, a pretty nice one drop too. One of the things is it's tricky to make one drops that both um, are worth one, so you can play them on the first turn. But later in the game can have, can, can mean something. And this is one of those cards where you have to be careful how you block because this thing can attack and block one thing, and then also use to shrink a different thing to help you win, either save your creature or kill another creature. Okay, next, Fever Charm. Uh, our instant, you could choose one of three effects. Target creature gains haste. Target creature gets plus two plus zero to end of turn, or do three damage to target wizard. So we did another set of charms in Onslaught. The first charms were done in Vision. In fact, there were two set of charms. There was one in Vision, one in Mirage, and one in Visions. Uh, Onslaught did the next set of charms, um, next set of uh, one color charms. The stick to these was um, it did two abilities like a normal charm would do, and then the third ability was always creature type related. For example, um, I'm not sure it was always. Uh, what were they were hate cards? This one is. Like, this is like, oh, I'm really good at killing wizards, you know? But I, I don't damage anything but wizards, and so... Um, but, you know, that's a narrow effect. But, hey, the other effects, you know, gaining haste or plus plus O is valuable enough that, okay, you know, a lot of the times I'll do that, but if I haven't run into a wizard, I can kill a wizard. Okay, next, Flame Stick... Flame... Yeah, Flame Stick Courier. Two and a red for a 2-1 goblin. You can choose not to untap it, and for two R and tap target creature gets plus two plus two and gains haste uh, or has haste until this untaps so these guys what they did was and there's a cycle of them that you locked them down meaning you tap them and could choose not to untap them to permanently kind of grant an ability to another creature um 
Now, the, the interesting thing, there's some, there's some aesthetics to this that I'm a little off. Like, Norse help bestow when we granted thing. The thing we granted matched the power and the toughness and the abilities of the creature that granted it. This doesn't do that. So, like, it's a 2-1 goblin, but grants plus 2 plus 2. Um, it doesn't have haste, but it grants haste. So it's, it's a little... Um, in some ways, you can see this is some of the, some of the precursors to um, equipment. Um, equipment would show up in the very next block. The idea that I have something that I can make something stronger, but that if you kill the creature, it doesn't lose the enhancement. The enhancement can be used on something else. Um, okay, next. Future Sight. Two. Blue, blue, blue. So five mana. Uh, it's an enchantment. You play with the top card of your library revealed, and then you can play that card as if it's in your hand. Um, which is a very, very fun card. Uh, there's a set named after this card. Not a, not a lot of cards can claim. I mean, it literally was named after this card. Um, we, when we were doing Time Spiral Block, we liked the idea that because it was a nostalgia set, that all three sets were named after existing magic cards. And so we, each set had a theme it needed, and we knew that the last set was about the future. We're like, well, it's about the future. How about we use the word future, since there's a card called Future Sight. Uh, this is a very fun card. Um, one of the neat things about this card, uh, and why it's kind of fun to build around, is um, it lets you draw cards in the sense that every time you cast a card off the top of your library, you have access to a new card. So the more cards you can play off the top of the library, the more cards you have access to. Um, and blue is a card drawing color. So this, this is, I mean, it ended up being a decently strong card, especially in the right decks. But it was a pretty fun card. Um, by the way, in the picture, in the art, uh, you see a man walking through and there's like, a blue screen with a picture on it, a yellow screen with a picture on it, a red screen with a picture on it. So that's Ixidor. Um, he is seeing alternate versions of his future. I'm trying to remember what... I don't remember exactly how that happens, but it's Ixidor glancing at his own future. So Ixidor is having a future sight. Next, Gangrenous Goliath. Three black black for four four, a zombie giant. And you can tap five untapped clerics to return it from your graveyard to your hand. So this is another fun thing we did with clerics. Uh, like, the idea of, you know, black clerics, they, they, they do sort of dark and creepy things, like raising things from the dead. So this was a fun card. Um, it was a giant that, you know, it, that particularly you could use your clerics on. So it went in your cleric deck. It wasn't a cleric, but went in your cleric deck and allowed you to have a 4-4 that was really hard to get rid of. Um, your opponent had to eventually kill the clerics to keep it from coming back because killing the Goliath didn't stop it. Okay, Goblin Pile Driver. One R for a 1-2 Goblin. Had protection from blue. Uh, whenever it attacks, it gets plus 2 plus 0 for every attack, for each other attacking Goblin. So this card is bonkers! Um, so it turns out when Onslaught came out, uh, Goblins, we, we were a bit aggressive with Goblins. Goblins had never really been a tournament tier deck, and uh, Onslaught fixed that problem. Goblins were really strong. Really, really strong. Uh, and one of the reasons was this card. Um, people always talk about how, you know, red needs... Red doesn't have its broken two-drop, and some people argue this is red's broken two-drop, and then others say, but it only goes in a goblin deck, which is true. Um, also, this card is protection from blue. Note that for a while, um, we used to play up the um, enemy relationships a lot stronger in the set, uh, and so you were allowed to have protection from your enemies. That was just something you were allowed to do. Um, so, I'm not sure why this had protection from blue. I mean, I think we were trying to make a strong goblin card, and we didn't want blue to bounce it or mess with it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why we get pro-blue. But Next, goblin pyromancer. 
So Goblin Pyromancer for three R is a two-two Goblin Wizard. When it enters the battlefield, all goblins get plus three plus zero to end of turn. At end of turn, destroy all goblins. So this is kind of a goblin finisher card. The idea was you got a huge boost, but uh, you know goblins are a little on the destructive side, so it'll help you win. You know, it's a pyromancer. It'll, it'll, it'll. Uh, but probably all the goblins are going. Uh, the flavor I got is he lights them all on fire, and then uh, well, they're dangerous when they're lit on fire. But at some point, you lit them on fire. They're not going to last very long. Um, this also, remember, this affected all goblins. So this also was something that occasionally would get splashed in decks that could cast it to destroy goblins if they're playing goblins. Okay, next, Goblin Sharpshooter. 2R, 1-1, Goblin. Uh, it doesn't untap as normal. Uh, whenever a creature dies, untap it, and you tap and deal one damage to our creature or player. Um, so it's a, it's a, a red Tim. Um, it's funny, because originally when the game started... Uh, Particle Sorcerer was a blue card. Tap, do one damage, creature, player. Really wasn't a blue effect. It's kind of weird. I think Richard has liked the, the flavor that the little tiny cantrip stuff was done in the Wizards were centered in blue. Uh, but we ended up shifting it over to red. Um, but this is one that early on where, like, it ha- wasn't really established in red yet, but it made sense. I mean, no one, no one argued that red couldn't tap and do damage. Um, so this card um, was kind of interesting because it did a lot of... You could do some neat things. For example... If your opponent had um, a bunch of 1-1s in play, you could just mow them down. You know, shoot a 1-1, it dies, untap the creature. Shoot a 1-1, it dies, tap a creature. Um, and you also could, like, let's say they had a bunch of 1-1s and then a 2-2. Um, you could do some fun shenanigans where, you know, you could, you, you, could um, you know, shoot something and then have something die and then be able to untap and shoot it again to kill the same, you know, kill a two-power thing or two-toughness thing. Um... Uh, so the card actually came about this funny story with the card the card was made by Richard Garfield during Odyssey and it was called Goblin Gatling Gun the problem was there was no goblins in Odyssey I talked about this before I took all the goblins out not, not the strongest idea in retrospect but at the time it seemed like a good idea I'm trying to get, get the, some dwarf love um, but anyway uh, Richard really liked this card he loved the name Goblin Gatling Gun and uh so it turned out it couldn't be a Gatling gun, a little too modern, although if you look at the picture, it's pretty Gatling gun-ish in the picture. Um, so anyway, it became Goblin Sharpshooter and ended up going the set. Um, I, I gave, uh, he had made the card and I knew he wanted it to be a goblin, so when the next set was doing a goblin-themed thing, I knew there was goblins, I, I handed this one off. Um, so anyway, uh, Goblin Gatling gun. Next, Gratuitous Violence, 2RRR, Enchantment, so five mana total. Uh, double all creature damage. So there's a card I made in Tempest called Furnace of Wrath, which doubles all damage. And uh, that card was a little overpowered, but this card is uh, a, a tweak on that. And this just damages all creature damage. Um, once again, uh, this doesn't just damage your creature damage. It damage, doubles all creature damage. Next, Grinning Demon. Two black black for a 6-6 six, six demon. It's a demon, so of course it's a 6-6. Six, six. We love making 6-6 six, six demons. Uh, beginning of upkeep, you lose two life. Morph to BB. Two black black. Um, so the idea here is, it's a six six demon you can get out pretty quick. But if you get it out, then it's, you know it starts doing damage to you, and so you have to sort of make a choice. Um, the other thing that's neat about this card sometimes is sometimes it's just doing good 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 work as a two two, and I don't need to turn into the six six until it's valuable. Um, but it's kind of fun. It, it definitely had a sort of. Um, a demony feel where it's not strictly upside, but it played nice with, with Morph. Next, Gus Cloak Sentinel. 
um, which was 3W for a 3-3 soldier. Um, and when blocked, you can choose to remove it from combat. So uh, there's a whole bunch of Gus Cloak. This is something that the white soldiers did, um, which was it had a mechanic based on a card called Reconnaissance. I forget what set that was in. But the idea basically is if you get into combat and things are like, you go, oh, I didn't expect you to block that way, you can go, oh, never mind, I'm not, I'm not going to fight. And so the flavor is that the soldiers sort of plan ahead, and if they see that there's going to be a problem, they, they don't attack. Um, and so this allows you to, the way you're strategizing is you get a sort of, your opponent tells you what they're going to do, and then you go, oh, now that I know that's what's going to happen, let me rethink how I want to do this attack. Um, okay, Harsh Mercy, 2W Sorcery, each player chooses a creature type, and then you destroy all other creature types. So this is how you get a Wrath Effect in a tribal set, um, where it's like, well, we want to have Wrath Effects, but... You know, there's so much about creatures, we don't want to have it too harsh. So we did this neat thing where it says, okay, if you're playing in theme, if you have one creature type, hey, you're, you're immune to this effect. But if you're spread out, then you're more vulnerable. Um, now, notice the card only costs three because everybody gets to save at least one thing and often can save multiple things. Um, it's not particularly the strongest of, of wrath effects, but it only costs three. Next, Insurrection. Five red, 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 sorcery. So you get to untap all creatures and gain control of them until end of turn, and they gain haste. So this is basically mass threaten. Um, so basically, uh, originally there was a like, ray of command showed up in uh, called Legends, I think, which allowed you to steal a creature from your opponent. It was an instant. Um, so at some point we decided that we wanted red to do more shenanigans, and we moved uh, stealing temporary stealing over red. Changed it to sorcery from an instant because uh, we didn't like red stealing for blocking, which is something blue often did. That you would attack with a whole bunch of creatures, you take one of the creatures you attacked with and block another creature that you attacked with. Uh, it's pretty brutal. Um, but anyway, uh, this was just us taking an effect, and the effect normally threatens in common, but if you take an effect that affects one thing and affects everything, well, you can make it rare. Um, and this card is, I mean, it's eight mana, three of which are red, so it requires a, a, a lot. Um, but it's a really good finisher card. It's kind of like, um, at some point, it's like, okay, you've built up uh, d- defense. Well, your entire defense is now attacking you. And unfortunately, you have no creatures to block. Because I just, I mean, other than um, other than wall you know, defenders. Um, and I'm attacking you. So, yeah, Insurrection was pretty, pretty brutal. Maybe a little too brutal. I don't know. Um, like I said, it does cost a lot of mana. Um, but uh, it's fun. It's a fun finisher. I mean, I... I uh, one of the things that I also like Insurrection is um, it can do some neat things in multiplayer. Um, one of the things people often talk about is Red doesn't have a lot of great finishers in multiplayer. Uh, and this happens to be actually a good finisher in multiplayer because I have all the creatures to steal, but I get to assign them wherever I want to assign them. So, you know, two-player, you just attack your opponent with everything that you, you have, where in multiplayer, you can be more careful about where you send things. Also, you could use this to, to wipe out one player or multiple players without wiping out the whole, every, without everybody. Okay, next. Ixidor, Reality Sculptor. Uh, so it's three blue, blue for a three, four, uh, once again, Wizard Legend, as, as, as I mentioned last time, time before that. Um, legendary as a, a super type was not there yet. Uh, in Creatures, it was still a creature type called Legend, and it came with rules baggage. Just like walls were had Defender built into it and came with the Defender. It wasn't called Defender yet, because you couldn't attack. 
Okay, so what, what does he do? He does two things. One is, all face-down creatures get plus one, plus one, so he boosts all your morph creatures. So all your morph creatures with him in play are three, three. And for two you, you can turn target face-down creature face-up. Um, so the idea of Ixidor, so once again, I talked about last time, or I talked about multiple times ago, that Ixidor is the, sorry, the antagonist of the story. Um, that he, through grief, he, uh, his, his, his lover got killed in the pit fights, and so, um, Nitinavi, I think is her name, and so he creates the chroma, he wanders the desert and realizes that he has the ability to sculpt reality. Um, and so the morph ability comes from Ixidor. Ixidor is the one that's able to, um, so the flavor of morph last time, this time it's a little different, but last time, um, or from the original Onslaught, was that he was making these things, but, um, and they look like clay spiders, but secretly that he could turn them into other things, so he didn't quite know what it was, and inside it could be something else. Um, and so you might think it's something, but, you know, he created a different thing. He had an army of morph creatures, and so the problem with fighting them is you didn't quite know what they were. They appeared all to be the clay spider on the outside, but inside they could be different things. Um, anyway, so the tricky part about this is we wanted to make a card that really brought Ixidor to life, you know, and, uh, obviously we wanted to mess with, um, Morph, um, and then we like the idea that because he's the reality sculptor, you know, he could bring anything, you know, he could, he, uh, without having to spend the straight up Morph cost, that he could unmorph things, so that he boosts Morph creatures, but then, and he could unmorph them. So Ixidor, by the way, proved to be a real headache during Innistrad, uh, because his ability says... Uh, turn target face down creature face up. What do you do with double face cards? Um, and finally, the ruling we made is that there's two faces on it, that there's no, there's no face down, that a double face card is always face up. And so you can't turn a face down card face up, or you can't turn a face... There is no such thing as a face down double face card because it's always face up. There's always a face that is up. And so Ixodor does not work uh, on... on uh, well... As of, as of Innistrad, uh, it could not work. Uh, I, I do not want to speak... The, the, there's a lot of uh, discussion talked about um, when Morph came back, and I don't know that off the top of my head, so... No, uh, well, no, they're face down. Anyway, I, I believe... I believe it Ixodor works just fine. In fact, you can dig it out to play with your new Morph creatures who are no longer flavored as being clay spiders. They're now uh, shrouded by dr- draconic, dr- draconic magic. Um, but anyway, Ixodor still plays nicely. Finally, my final card of the day. I got to, G, to, to J today. Um, I'm going to work my way through this. Hope this will be uh, uh, in the 18th part of uh, Onslaught. Okay, Jareth, Leonine Titan. Uh, so he is three white, 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 six mana for a cat giant legend, four, seven. Uh, he's plus seven, plus seven when he blocks. And he, for one white mana, gets protection from the color of your choice. So Jareth was another pit fighter. Most of the legends in the set were pit fighters. He's a white pit fighter. Um, and, and his shtick is he's very, very good in defense. That he's not super strong when he fights, but he's very, very strong when he defends. That's why he gets a big bonus when he blocks. That's why he can get protection to protect himself from. Um, and Jareth did two things, by the way. One is, I think that he was indirectly responsible for the idea of us doing the Leonin. Notice he's not technically a Leonin. He's Leonine. He's uh, Jareth Leonine Titan. Uh, and later we make the Leonin. So I, I think he's a lot to do with it. I also think the popular Jareth was one of the things... Um, I think Brady Downrith, our old creative director, I think really liked Jareth. And I think when he was making new Planeswalkers... I don't know this for sure. I'm just, just making a guess. But I believe there's some chance that a Johnny 
um, stemmed from him sort of liking what he had done with Jareth. And I, I, or actually, he didn't do it with Jareth. He wasn't the creative director at the time. But uh, anyway, in my mind, I feel like Jareth was interesting and definitely sort of put in our minds that the idea of this cat warrior that would lead to the Leon and, and eventually would lead to a Johnny. Okay, guys, I've gotten up to Jay. Uh, obviously, we will continue this next time. Um, but I have parked my car, which means that this is the end to drive to work. So thanks for joining me today, guys.